Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. Our colleague Noel is on an adventure. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Today's episode uh, is something that, Matt, I think you and I are both pretty excited about because we're we're diving into something with some folklore, some mythology, some twists and unexpected turns. And you and Mission Control and I are not alone in this endeavor. You see, today's episode comes to us courtesy of Pedro. Pedro, hope you're listening because this episode is for you, man. Uh, Pedro, you wrote in to say the following. I think, Matt, maybe we can we can uh, double drag in this a little and, and pass off the email. So want to hear it? Here it goes. Uh, Pedro says, in part, I have always been amazed at the folklore involving goblins or duendes in Spanish. I know you guys have spoken a lot about UFOs, mysterious deaths, 
magic and or powers, this needs to be given a look at because down in Mexico and many parts of Central and South America, there have been not only tales, but alleged sightings of these mysterious creatures. And I would really love if you guys could talk about this on air. And Pedro says, I will attach two videos in this email just so you guys can get an idea of what I'm talking about. Videos in Spanish happened in Sonora, Mexico, and in the video, there seems to be a woman carrying what looks like to be a duende or goblin, and it left many people in shock. The second is another sighting in Mexico. I also linked an article with some background information. You can YouTube or search articles regarding the topic. Thanks so much. Love the show. Oh, you Ben just deleted my favorite part of the email from Pedro. I'm going to say the same doc. Pedro said, Ben is my spirit animal. That's too kind, Pedro. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I, you know, that's, that is a really nice compliment. So much so that I did delete it in (laughs) in an act of betrayal as you were reading the email, Matt. Uh, I want to own up to that. I apologize. But this is, this is interesting because, you know, over the years, you and I have, well, I think we all We both loved cryptids growing up, and over the years doing this show, uh, we've explored tons and tons of cryptids that a lot of people aren't very well aware of. And I don't know about you, Matt, but I was surprised to find that while the concept of Duende may be unfamiliar to a lot of us listening today, it, it, Pedro is right. It is incredibly common in Mexico, Central, and South America, as well as the Philippines. It's everywhere. And other parts of the world. And what we're going to find as we're going through this episode, duendes are just called other things across the world. So it really is just everybody has legends and sightings of this thing, whatever it is, this group of smaller creatures that we're going to learn all about today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We'll maybe even meet some of the purported varieties of these creatures, like the Trentes or the Tronates. Uh, We'll see. We'll see where the journey takes us. Let's figure out where this belief comes from, and maybe on the way we can sew in a little bit of common modern-day knowledge about goblins or where they occur in fiction, because they're still very much a thing. But here are the facts. So Duende technically translates to kind of like elf, but if you hear it used nowadays or you hear it referred to in English, it's almost always equated with the idea of a goblin. And and that's, you know, Pedro is equating it with goblins as well. Uh, Matt, I have to defer to a little bit of your knowledge here because I believe that for most people in the United States, goblins are associated with a number of things in fiction. And we'll probably get emails if we don't mention them all, but, you know, shout out to David Bowie, the Goblin King in Mm -hmm. Labyrinths. He's a very um, unusual but not unprecedented variety of goblin. Um, I think a lot of people think of Tolkien, right? We were talking a little bit with uh, Paul Mission Control Decant over uh, before we went on air about well, about the newest Hobbit films. Yeah. <laughs> some yeah. Pe- yeah, some people love them. Your mileage may vary. Uh, it, is a, it is a trilogy. Well, there, there, are, there is some weirdness with the Tolkien stuff surrounding goblins. Because Hobgoblin, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong here, but Hobgoblin in the Tolkien verse, or at least within The Hobbit, is used to refer to a large 
version of a goblin, like a huge goblin. I think the Goblin King that's featured in in the films, at least the three films that came out more recently, the Goblin King is a hobgoblin. It's this huge creature that is like a goblin, but like ten times the size of any of the others. That's a bit weird. I'm not. I'm not going to throw too much shade on on those movies, but uh, oh yeah, yeah, they they weren't my favorite. They weren't for everybody. Yeah, Lord of the Rings was uh, amazing. I think. And to be fair, uh, nostalgia may has may have colored my experience with a animated 1977 Hobbit from mm. Rankin Bass. Uh, but I rewatched it. I dig it. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what colored my experience with the Peter Jackson Hobbit series: uh, massive battles with zero stakes. Wow! Because nobody ever gets hurt. If you're a protagonist in the Hobbit world, you're fine. Just jump into that lava. You'll be fine. You'll get out. It's amazing that those, nothing can all, happen to you. All those dwarves made it. <laughs> they for fell so down. Long. Yeah, they fell down the largest ravine I've ever seen in my life, in, featured in any movie. And they were just like, oh, well, let's get to the sunlight. I believe Sorry. that's true, Matt. I believe that Tolkien, originally, his working title for The Hobbit was The Ravine. And it was. <laughs> It played a much larger role in the story. Are you sure it wasn't the Invinza Hobbits? Uh, okay, <laughs> wow. sorry. I'm oh, sorry. That, that plot armor. Okay. <laughs> That's sorry. what gets you. I, I know we're on a tangent already in this, sure, but sure. It, it needs to be said that one of the most important things about David Bowie is that when he is around a series of goblins, all of those other goblins get plus one, plus one, and they gain mountain walk. If right. you're, you know, early on. Sometimes they... They gain haste, uh, depending on the Goblin King. Yeah, and you know what? That's a real difference between goblins and duende, at least the beliefs in them. Goblins in folklore are thought to roll pretty deep, right? Mm -hmm. You see a lot of goblins at once. Uh, duende seem more solitary, but we'll, we'll find out how these terms get a little muddied. As we said, it translates to elf, but it is commonly you know, treated as synonymous with goblins. Uh, experts aren't sure exactly where the term goblin comes from, but they have a couple of guesses tracing it back to the 14th century from the Norman French term gobelin, G-O-B-E-L-I-N, and then tracing that term back to the 12th century with something called gobelinus. Yeah, that's a, you know, according to our research, a medieval Latin term for a spirit that would haunt a very specific region that I cannot pronounce. Evru, maybe, is how you would say it. Evru, uh, perhaps, yeah. And they note that it's mentioned in medieval Latin text uh, back in the 1100s specifically, uh, and, that few, and that it was probably used before then. The, the issue was that few people who believed in folk magic also used medieval Latin. And so over time, goblin becomes this kind of catch-all term that describes any number of supernatural creatures, dwarves, imps, kobolds, gnomes, brownies, of course, duende. It's kind of like saying car at some point. You're describing mm -hmm. a lot of stuff. And uh, or like, like jinn, goblins in folklore, duende, can have differing motivations. Some are helpful, some are little stinkers, and some can be downright threatening. But, you know, whatever word we use to describe them, they do have some commonalities in folklore. 
Oh yeah, they, they do. The, the biggest thing you're going to find is that they are small. They're small creatures similar to a lot of the fae that's described uh, out in the, you know, the isles of the UK and in areas out there. Um, many times they're mischievous. Not Again, not always mean or, or mean-spirited, but they will get some revenge on you if you do harm to them or if you, you know, endanger them or hurt one of their kin. Uh, at least that's uh, pretty common in there. Many times they are, let's say, uh, like a dragon. Uh, they're very covetous. They, they, if they find things and they gather things, it's, they generally want to keep it and they want to, especially if it's worth anything, at least to them, they'll hold on to that stuff really hard. There are many stories here that include a helpful nature with, with a lot of these. But again, it's got that like good and evil thing where they'll help out sometimes but if you do anything at all to, you know, anger them or cause harm to them, it's that relationship's over and you might be in trouble. Yeah, exactly. And this is something that we see pretty commonly with supernatural creatures. Uh, the idea of Duende being elves or goblins being a kind of fae or fairy uh, or hidden folk, whatever you want to call them. Uh, those ideas typically are accompanied by specific sets of rules, right? If you're playing D&D along with this episode at home, their alignment would often be considered lawful evil. A lot of, um, at least, fey characters are lawful evil in that the, they have these rules that must be obeyed. And you can see that in some of the traditional stories about things that are goblin-related. The weirdest part is the vast majority of people in the modern age don't believe in the existence of creatures like this, but you may be surprised to learn that beliefs in something, some sort of supernatural, at times invisible, community or entity of sentient non-humans persist in communities around the world. And there are people who do take this quite seriously, and there are other people who, you know, treat it the way that the people of Point Pleasant treat Mothman. You know hmm. what I mean? It's a fun story. It gives us a, a sense of local community and culture, and no one's mad at the tourist money. Yeah, you, you can't be mad at that. Uh, and, and especially if, I don't know, you're uh, in a lot of these places, I'm thinking specifically in the UK and other places that deal with fey outside of the goblin realm, but where it encourages uh, people, and like you said, tourism, but in like more... Uh, um, natural areas like um, like a nature preserve or something like that where you're going to get tourism in a place. I don't know. It's not going to do anybody harm if you're out there checking out for Fay. you know, just having a good time camping unless you're, you know, starting fires. That's dangerous. Be careful with those. And as you were telling me, Matt, you found a couple specific people and we'll talk about later who do just that in mm -hmm. an unobtrusive way. Uh, that's that's the way to look for them. But while we're looking at things, let's look at the Duende specifically, yep. since that's what Pedro has asked us about. It is described by a number of names, depending on which part of the world you're referring to. But like the goblin overall, the Duende have a couple of common factors. First, there's the devious boogeyman role. Uh, kids growing up in parts of Mexico or Central America um, may have heard their parents or guardian tell them, Okay, behave, go to bed. Don't, if you venture out into the forest, 
the Duendes might get you. In these stories, the Duende lives uh, often in one of two places, either out in the forest or between the walls of homes, especially if there are children around, because here's the creepy part. Apparently, the Duende loves eating children's toenails. They're hygiene-obsessed. Yeah. If your toenails are unkempt, they're coming for you, and they're super aggressive about it. They may even take an entire toe whoosh, whoosh, by accident. Yeah. That's not going to be on purpose. They they don't want you know the flesh, except kind of according to some of some of the stories they do, because there's some weird stuff going on there where there are versions of this story that include uh, this is this is harsh, you guys, like a a mother that perhaps didn't want to have a baby. Um, again, this is folklore, but a mother that didn't want to have a baby giving that child up essentially to these creatures as a meal. Yeah, I don't don't even like saying that. Yeah, it's like the idea is that they've escalated in their taste and they've gone from toenails to flesh. We should pause for a second because there's a story here that Portuguese and Spanish speakers are going to be familiar with and we need to differentiate between the two. So Duende has... A different meaning nowadays. It has it has a couple of meanings. One of them, yes, the idea of this supernatural entity and or spirit and or um, living organism. But secondly, and this is pretty cool, the term has also been used in flamenco music and other art forms to refer to a vibe, like your animal magnetism, the your your personal rico suaveness. It's a mystical or powerful force given off by a performer to draw in the audience, which I, I was not aware of. It's the ability to attract people through your charm, like the Dos Equis guy. Wow. Or like that Ben Boland guy. Or that Matt Frederick guy. <laughs> or really, let's, you know, all all credit due to our one and only mission control. That guy is living Duende. Dude, sometimes we log into these Zoom calls to make these episodes and Paul... Mission Control just shows up, and you're like, whoa, Whew. what is that feeling? Uh, it must be that Duende. <laughs> it must be that Duende. So we have this toe-chewing boogeyman, mm-hmm. and that's separate from this personal magnetism. Uh, but we have another side of the Duende. This kind of contrast is pretty common in supernatural creatures because the Duende in addition to stealing children or eating their toenails or taking them into the forest, they've also been rumored to assist people who are lost in the wild and help them find their way back to civilization. Yeah. I guess you start out in the forest if you want to get on their good side then. Yeah. And again, don't disturb them directly. But if you're in need, they might be there for you. Might. Maybe. If you happen to encounter them. Don't uh, count on you know, it. There, yeah. Well, there are other stories of the, you know, the versions of Duende that live more in the walls that are home dwelling that may actually help out with chores. When everybody goes to sleep and the house is quiet, they may actually help out and do things uh, for the family, for the house. Not necessarily for you, uh, but uh, maybe for you. Uh, It's hard because many of these stories try to ascribe uh, what the Duende wants, what the goblin wants, what the creature wants, and by doing these things. Um, but who knows? We haven't exactly had a 
Charlie Rose interview. Ooh, maybe not him, but a, an interview with <laughs> one of these guys. Right. We're still waiting for the fresh air Terry Gross segment. There we go. Uh, where she sits down with a duende. I, I I love that you're mentioning the varieties that assist with household chores because etymologically, it's believed that duende originated as a contraction of a longer phrase, duende casa or dueño de casa, which more or less means master of the house. So mm. maybe that's maybe that gives uh, us a glimpse into the evolution of the more helpful. Duende, but again, there there are tons of duende. It's we could just list all of them because they have different traits. Some can summon thunder and lightning. Some are known to pull down people's clothes and pinch them on the butt. It's. It, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think the the then some are very unpopular. Like mm -hmm. uh, trosgos are super hated. They're considered nuisances. Yeah, I would say, at least in what I've found, the vast majority of videos online, and there are so many so videos many. of supposed Duende sightings, uh, the vast majority are, or they feature humans in them that are displaying a lot of fear or like terror when a Duende appears or just happens to show up in the middle of a video that looks like it was shot on like the thing that was created before the potato camera. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, you, there's a fear associated with seeing one in the moment, at least. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a huge part of today's story. So we see that Spanish folklore is one of the origin points for the belief in Duende. There are tons of specific types in this folkloric universe, and these stories reached across the world in step with the expansion of the Spanish Empire, late 15th century to the early 1800s. But this is not the entire explanation. We're going to pause for a moment for a word from our sponsors, and assuming we don't get snatched by our toes, we'll return with more on Duende. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, 
where America goes to hire. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. And we've returned. Let's think of folklore kind of like a a mashup album, you know, mm. or a mashup video on YouTube. You see things that feel unlikely uh, coming together and making a surprisingly cohesive whole. As we talked about in our earlier episode on forgotten religions, folklore functions like religious syncretism. And so we can kind of trace or we can at least speculate on the evolution of Duende in Central South America, in Mexico, and in the Philippines as well, because people are all intelligent. People are all trying to explain what's going on in the world, and they come up with stories that have a lot in common or beliefs that have a lot in common. Therefore, it's highly likely that Native people heard of the word Duende for the first time, and they already had something similar in their own culture. Turns out, across history, people love the idea of magic little human-like things, uh, whether they are good or evil, or both at different times. So, like, you can ima- we can imagine that, right? That that sounds plausible. Oh, yeah, and I think it fully explains our love of action figures and tiny dolls. <laughs> <laughs> Big dolls are spooky, though. We can agree yeah. on that. Oh, yeah. But, but, I mean, if you got a little thing that you can play with, like, that's uh-huh. fun. That's exciting. And if that thing was actually real and animated and, like, could move and had ideas and motivations... Shoot, that's uh, that's the greatest thing ever. Stay away from our feet, though. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I like the feet thing. It's just so weird and specific. So credit to whomever came up with that when they were trying to scare their kid into sleeping. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, back to our example. So let's say, Matt, let's say you have become part of the Spanish Empire. You're reaching uh, this land you've never seen before for the first time. You're learning a little bit of the local language. They're learning a bit of your language, Spanish. Uh, you 
talk to them about the idea of Duende. And then they go, by the way, we're bracketing all the horrible things that the Spanish Empire did. Mm -hmm. They did a ton of horrific uh, stuff. They committed a lot of atrocities. But in this scenario, Matt, you're just a regular guy. You just work your job. You're chilling with uh, these other people. You say Duende. And then they say, Oh, you mean, yeah, you mean that forest spirit. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got those. We got those here. Oh, really? That's that's amazing. <laughs> oh, we shall have to set up traps everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh, well, what's your, what's your Duende like? And they say, well, you know, our Duende lives in the forest, has a weird thing about toes, uh, and will sometimes help you if you are lost in the woods. And then... You know, our, our Spanish speaker in this in this scenario, Jonathan Strickland has ruined my pronunciation of that word. Our Spanish speaker there also says, well, you know, where I grew up, and at this point in time, it would probably they'd probably say a specific town or region mm -hmm. in Spain and say where I grew up. This do is eat what, babies. Yeah, this is what they do here. So you guys got off kind of easy. And so with this in mind, it's also pretty likely that indigenous cultures would have used these terms interchangeably, duende and then the other terms that they already had because they already had things like this in their culture. So a common belief in something like hidden forest spirits or forest guardians or similar examples would have over time become closer and closer to something like the Spanish concept of duende, and also retain the attributes of the creature in the pre-existing belief system. So there we go. But this is not going to be a lecture on folklore. Don't worry. Just had to get that part out of the way because duendes are different for very big reason. A very, very big reason. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I wonder how many people are out there listening and thinking, wow, these guys are taking... Uh Duende is pretty seriously. It's, uh, what is it, 2021 right now? They know that they're not real, right? You're probably right? thinking that, some of you. Do they also think minotaurs are just running around Greece? And that's like a <laughs> like a, 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 pest, a pestilence of minotaurs? Whatever the group name for minotaurs is. A stampede of minotaurs. Oh, yeah, for sure. And the, the pegasi that just <laughs> exist in the cliffs. <laughs> There's some places. guy in Athens right now going like, please, someone help me get rid of these gorgons. <laughs> it's like a made-for-TV commercial. Yeah. You know? <laughs> we can't let them get into the Georgia theater again. Oh, you're talking about the original Athens. Okay, never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, either. You know what? Either will work for this commercial, Matt. We just need to have one person, like, turn to stone and then someone turn, break the fourth wall and talk to the camera and be like, there's got to be a better way. <laughs> yeah. Cue Billy Mays in a toga. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay, well, we've solved that. But, yeah, you're right. It's a good question, though. It is 2021. Yes, but... The one major difference here is what Pedro has mentioned in the email that he sent to us. Unlike all these other creatures, human beings in real life in the modern era with digital technology believe they have encountered these creatures and captured them and have evidence of it and have uploaded it to social media sites like YouTube. And, uh... A lot of other people, a lot of other people believe that some of these videos are real. Yeah, that's the thing. 
There's no shortage of people who not only believe that there is an actual creature, there's a mm -hmm. duende, but they also believe they have seen it or someone they know has seen it. So what if, instead of being a legend, the duende is an actual creature, a cryptid? Here's where it gets crazy. So duende sightings generally follow the same format, or a lot of them do. There's a small group of kids hanging out somewhere. They might be playing soccer. They might just be kicking it on the sidewalk. It's often going to occur at night. And then one of them sees something moving in the shadows, usually partially obscured, often. Or fully obscured. <laughs> yeah. And then, boom, uh, enter the duende who pops out, right? For just a second or just a two second. seconds, maybe. Mm -hmm. Or maybe is walking away. But either way, the sighting is brief and the duende usually leaves the scene immediately. Yeah. And then the camera shuts off right afterwards, and that's all you get. And there's no follow-up. That's it. Yeah, and thanks to the use of recording technology, and thanks to the democratization of mobile video, you can see dozens, dozens, dozens of alleged duende sightings caught on film, probably... The most famous, the one that got the most attention outside of Mexico, Central, and South America, was this thing called the Argentina Gnome. And you you and I both watched this video. Oh, yeah. I watched it so many times. On YouTube, you, you, you know this already, I'm sure everyone listening, but you can reduce the timing of these videos down to like one half of the regular speed all the way down to a quarter of the regular speed and you can watch like half frame by half frame record you know however however uh whatever the frame rate was that was uploaded from these terrible cameras people are using to record these things and you can watch it and i did and i have over and over and over and the sidestepping argentina gnome or shuffling, I guess. I mean, I wouldn't categorize it as one of my favorites, uh, but it's definitely there. It's one of the best isolated creature versions of these sightings where, where you can actually see something, even though it's fully in shadow, you can see that there's a full thing for longer than a second. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great way to say it. It's very short, it's 48 seconds. Um, you know, I... in. Matters like this, folks, I typically defer to Matt's video expertise. Uh, Matt, you have, you, know, you have a depth of experience with this, and you know how to spot uh, things that would call the veracity of a piece of video into question. So that's, that's one of my first things in my process is I'll send Matt a video, and I'll be like, all right, before <laughs> I get weird with this, is this real? Uh, and yeah. And this is tough because it's easier and easier to fake these as well. Anyway, well, I, I would say that one is real in that there was actually something in that video. You just have to decide, was it a little person that that group of people knew? Was it a kid dressed up in some costume um, or was it an actual creature of some sort? But uh, here's the thing. The hat. Yeah. 
yeah. the hat is the hat is one of the big sticking points. Uh, we're we're a family show, so I'm not going to go into all my feelings about the hat aspect of these sightings. Uh, but for a lot of people who are unfamiliar with this, imagine a sinister version of the stereotypical gnome with the red pointy hat, little guy, white beard like the evil universe version of that, that's something that people often describe seeing. And it's important to note in the era of TikTok hoaxes and all this stuff, it's important to note that not all the people reporting these sightings are children or teens. There are a lot of fringe researchers who seem convinced that this is a real thing. One in particular, the late cryptozoologist Ivan Sanderson, himself a very controversial figure, noted that Duende sightings have been reported by tons of folks in Central America, including people you would consider highly educated in the field, like uh, the zoologist and author Alan Rabinowitz, who wrote about uh, the Belizean beliefs in the Duende and his own experience citing what he described as a strange little man about three feet tall standing at the very edge of the forest at night. That's pretty cool. I, I mean, I'm interested in that. I, I didn't read that particular thing from Alan Rabinowitz, Ben, but I, that's something that I'm now going to look deeper into. Just, you know, even those one person's account, uh, the fact that it's a zoologist who, you know, felt it was compelling enough to write down mm -hmm. interests me. But, or that it written down as relayed to Sanderson. So oh, got there it. may okay. have been, there may have been some telephoning. Yeah, maybe a little. We, I, we can't rule that out, but we know, we know that this guy Rabinowitz is not alone. There are so many sightings, uh, enough for us to broadly categorize two different types of description. And these descriptions are going to be important. We'll return to them later in the show. Yes. Uh, one of them is a rather hirsute human person, a, a, a man-like creature that's about four feet tall. There's a shriveled nature to to this character that's yeah, often described. Rode hard, put away wet, you know? <laughs> there you go. Um, there are a couple things that this person may wield. Often it's a stick of some, time, of some kind, sometimes an instrument, like a stringed instrument, such as a guitar, sometimes a weapon like a machete or a, a knife or, you know, it may look like a sword in this person's hand. Um, and they're often in some kind of like animal skin, like a hide, so, something like that, rags. Um, and almost always in this, this one category of sighting, there is something on the head. There's a, a hat of some sort, whether that's, you know, uh, related to the animal hide that they were wearing or just a pointy little thing, some kind of headwear. Yeah, exactly. It's a very, very important fact you mentioned. It's not always a pointy hat. It's all, mm -hmm. not always a David the Gnome impersonator, right? Mm -hmm. But the other explanation has some important differences. In the other description, you'll see a, generally a three to four foot tall creature human-esque looking thing with sloping shoulders, noticeably long arms, brown hair, a flat yellowish face, and then long hair down the back uh, and the neck. So we're at an impasse. 
The creature's characteristics, as it's described, and the stories about it are clearly a blend of different cultures connecting, right? European cultures, native cultures, and then uh, probably also lore from the continent of Africa. But again, depending on who you ask, there have been sightings of Duende by credible witnesses. At the very least, we know that forest park rangers and zoologists have seen things in the wild that they cannot explain to their own satisfaction despite their higher-than-average odds of being familiar with most of the animals in the area. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's, it's way different from just dropping a rando in there and then saying, okay, describe these things. Yeah, for sure. But, but no matter how credible those witnesses are, generally these sightings occur in the dark or in the shadows, just as they do on all the YouTube videos you're going to find when you're searching for this later tonight. (laughs) Uh, I promise you it's going to happen. It just happens to all of us. You have to, you have to keep looking because some of them are compelling as hell. Um, So, you know, it's difficult. It's difficult to know when you're looking at a shadow and you're seeing something moving and you're in nature out in the wilderness. Like, what is that thing? What was that? Why, why does it smell different in here right now? That's another thing, by the way, we didn't even mention. Uh, according to some stories, when they're Duende, especially the house, the ones that live in a house, when they've come by, there's an acrid, awful smell that may be associated with them being around. Similar to how um, many Jin encounters are described, where there's like a sulfuric smell that that uh, a residue of sorts that le- is left behind. Uh, anyway, we we have to just, you take all of this into account, like, could it be just that people's minds are playing tricks on them in the dark, even the people who know what they're doing and know where they are in their surroundings, or there is there some other explanation? And uh, we're going to look at that after another word from our sponsors. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. And we've returned. Yes, we are going to explore some possible explanations. One, misidentification. Easy. It's what you would call a low-hanging branch here. Uh, misidentification is a lead cause for a ton of alleged cryptid sightings. As we found in the case of the Jersey Devil, or as we found in the case of Bigfoot, misidentification has been common for centuries and centuries. People get scared, their encounters are hurried, and they're brief. And when these people finally get to a calm, safe place, their memories are jumbled and they've been heavily influenced by the fear they experienced, right? And, you know, they might even smell something later and then it triggers the memory, which changes the memory because your memories change every time you remember them. True story, scary stuff. Mm -hmm. What? And this is weird. I was thinking about this, man. So while it might seem counterintuitive, Misidentification is likely on the rise nowadays. It's a very good era for misidentification, despite the fact that there's such an abundance of surveillance and recording technology. The truth is the majority of human beings now live in dense urban areas. The animal that you are most likely to see in your day-to-day life every single day, it's another human being. That's the animal you will most commonly run into. And if you live in a dense urban area, you're less likely to be familiar with large wild animals. Have you ever seen a bear in the wild? Have you ever seen a monkey? Mm. What if you what if the you saw one and you weren't expecting it? He'd freak out. He'd freak a little bit. Yeah. Well, especially if that creature, that bear or that monkey were maybe let's say a cub or a, a baby monkey or a young, young monkey that uh, or a bear, because either of them can and will stand on their hind legs at times. And if they're younger, they may be very small. And if you see a small creature like that, a real animal in the shadows standing up on its hind legs with arms, <laughs> it would freak me out if I didn't know what it was. <laughs> 
Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed that description because putting myself in the place, you know, even being able to identify animals in the wild when you're not expecting it, it's it's a wallop. Uh, so, or even a, like yeah. a raccoon or, you know, raccoon, I mean, there's so many hands. small. Yeah, there's so many small creatures that have the, some of the features of a human if they happen to get into a certain posture. Right. I, I got to say, man, I'm I love pretty much all animals. I'm I'm glad they're here. Uh, raccoons fascinate me, but they freak me out a little bit because there's something kind of uncanny valley about their hands. You know what I mean? They yeah. they just look sneaky, and they're always yeah. like they look like they look covetous. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like a goblin. <laughs> yes, maybe that's it. Maybe goblins and raccoons, but they also have these amazing parkour abilities. I just oh, I yeah. yeah, they're they're weird. Send your favorite raccoon stories. I'd, I'd love to hear them, but I'm going to read them during the daytime just in case. And it's safe to say, then, that at least in some sightings, people have accidentally misidentified an animal that they would have eventually recognized if they saw it in a more controlled environment, like a zoo, right? In, if they had had more time to observe it instead of this hurried, often terrifying, short encounter. But no matter what, misidentification cannot explain everything primarily because wild animals, for what we know, tend to not wear hats. <laughs> from what we've seen. From, um, from the data we have gathered, yeah, ha yeah. Hat, hats haven't really gotten on the scene in, yeah. in the animal kingdom yet. You know, I yes, you're right. And I just have to add one last thing that, like, could help out here. Keep the camera rolling after you've seen something like that. <laughs> Don't yes. cut, like just get all the raw footage you can. Chase the thing with your camera. Zoom in. Uh, turn up the brightness. Lower the contrast. <laughs> Do everything you can in that moment. If you ever encounter one, and then upload the whole file. Don't edit it, and then we'll see what happens. And try just 720p or higher, please, for God's sake. I know. I feel your pain, man. Uh, this. This leads us to the second thing. Why, why is what Matt's saying so important? Well, it's important because if you find yourself in a situation like this and you're trying to film, not taking those steps will set you up to be accused of hoaxing. And that mm -hmm. is the second common explanation for a lot of cryptid sightings. It's unfortunately frequent. And like cases of misidentification, hoaxes have been on the rise for some time. It's easier now than ever before to fake something. You can alter video. You can distort, remove, insert things. You can also, like you know, Matt, you can control angles, lighting, setting. You can do pretty much whatever you want to video so long as you have enough expertise and lead time. Like that's, I, I think that's why you're emphasizing that, oh, huh, how come this just happens and then they stop rolling? Yeah. To me, one of the questions that always pops up is why would someone purposely create a hoax one day sighting? Well, number one, for attention, for laughs, for the lulls, for trolling. Uh, if we look at the video from Argentina, it was funny because this was uh, this got a lot of international attention when it was reported by The Sun, which is kind of like the United Kingdom's weekly world news. Yes. It's the closest they'll get to like Bat Boy stories. And, and this is the gnome sighting from Argentina, correct? The yes. sidestepper? Okay. Yeah. 
here comes the sidestep. Or, uh, yes. so, so the teenager who filmed this is interviewed in The Sun. His name is Jose Alvarez. And he says, you know, me and my pals are just hanging out on the sidewalk 1 a.m. And then we hear a noise, and it sounds like someone throwing stones. And Snopes is really snarky when they report on this. You can find the, the Snopes write-up on this. And they say, Alvarez, who had miraculously started filming nothing in particular with his cell phone immediately beforehand, was able to capture a few seconds worth of video that, of something that looks like, just as you described, Matt, a tiny biped with a pointy hat doing the rambling man, just a few steps sideways. And then he says... Uh, by the way, yes. this is very common... That exact scenario. Oh, man, just happened to start filming. Hey, what are you guys doing? Nothing. Oh, just hanging out. Okay, cool. Yeah, and then all, all right. of a sudden, squee! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was funnier on video. but No, the video's <laughs> great. I hope that makes it onto our YouTube channel. <laughs> Who knows? You know, it's, it's <laughs> above us. So Alvarez is saying, okay, at first we thought this was a dog, but we saw it was gnome-like, and we began to get really afraid. This is not a joke. We're still afraid to go out. Everybody in the neighborhood is. One of my friends was so scared after seeing that thing that we had to take him to the hospital. And Snopes notes exactly what you noted earlier, Matt, that this has a classic hoax setup. A sudden appearance of something in the background right after rolling. The person with the camera is able to find and zoom in on the thing really quickly, even though it's unexpected. The glimpse of whatever this thing is is very, very brief. And then Snopes also points out there were two different takes of the same scene that make, you know, that call into question the spontaneity of it. So with that in mind, just from that one example and the format that we see in these other YouTube videos, it's highly likely, I would say it's virtually certain, that some video footage of these Duende sightings are indeed purposeful hoaxes, which sounds like a downer. But there's one more possible explanation. It is, I think it's safe to say, it's always our personal favorite. Yes. And we're going to talk about, but really quickly, I want to mention one more video, one more Duende video that was very popular. I'm looking for it right now, very quickly. It was shot by a mother who just happened to be filming her small child in the kitchen, doing nothing. Kids doing absolutely nothing. All of a sudden, the kid's head moves away a little bit. And a tiny, tiny little, looks like a human, a regular sized human that got shrunk down into a tiny little version that's only a foot tall or le or smaller, just runs across from where the baby's head moved and runs underneath a, I don't know, a shelf or something that's right, a cabinet. It's just another one of these videos that follows those exact rules that Snopes pointed out. But in this case, you can clearly see the creature and it looks like a tiny little goblin running. But again, it looks like a full sized human in a costume or something that's just been shrunk down uh, through video editing. Honestly, that's what it looks like. I can't sit here and tell you 100 percent that it was hoaxed. But I can tell you 99.9% .9 that it was hoaxed. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. It's more than fair. So with that. We've done a lot of myth-busting here, but yeah. with that, we want to go to our favorite of these categories, which is cryptids. What if the Duende sightings can be partially attributed to a real, not yet officially identified animal? 
If so, what could it be? Based on the descriptions, the most likely suspect would be a small primate. And if it is indeed encrypted, it would be a small primate currently unknown to science. The height makes sense, as do the reports being hirsute or hairy. The humanoid body also makes sense. Non-human primates have the same number of arms and legs, and a tail could be difficult to spot depending on the environment. And again, there are, all the videos are in the dark. But there's a counterpoint here. Given the sheer number of readily available video recording devices, why hasn't someone caught clear, undeniable footage of these creatures? Why isn't there like Duende during the day? Uh, is it because these are nocturnal creatures? That's possible. Um, but again, cameras are everywhere. And given that humans have lived in the area for such a long time, why hasn't anyone come forward with a body or some sort of physical evidence? I propose we start calling this the Bigfoot Dilemma. Uh, the Littlefoot Dilemma. The Littlefoot, yes. Yeah, good note, good note. We're going with it. The Littlefoot Dilemma. So this means that if we're looking for rational explanations, we can find several. Hoaxes have to account for some sightings. Misidentification has to account for some others. And while the idea of unrecognized animals is tremendously exciting, there's just not enough evidence to support that idea in this case yet. And furthermore, there's the odds are mounting that if something like this existed and was an unknown animal, it would already have been well-known to locals, like in the case of the coelacanth when people thought they rediscovered this fish that had been extinct for millions of years, and the locals said, oh, yeah, that's a trash fish. Don't eat it. That is that is garbage fish. Put it back. Yeah, I, yeah. it's really old. That, that's, that meat is no good anymore. The, you know, the, the, the only problem here, Ben, to my mind, when we're talking about misidentification, is that we're talking about a large area or a, a, a large variety of areas of the earth that are covered when we're talking about Duende sightings, you know, in, in very different ecosystems and climates. And it makes me wonder if, you know, could there be a common denominator here or is it just different species of animals in different parts of the world? Yeah, because it's spread out over so many regions, right? Mm -hmm. And they don't all have the same uh, ecosystems. They don't all have the same flora and fauna. For example, Belize is home to different species of non-human primates. Spider monkeys, howler monkeys. You know what I mean? Cool monkeys. You want cool monkeys? Belize. Uh, it's, it's not a perfect explanation. Again, because of that hat. That hat drove me crazy. Uh, but see, that, spider monkeys might just be really shy about their hat wear, and maybe that's something that they're developing. You oh, know? that's heartbreaking. So, like, they, they were amping themselves up, and they were like, all right, this is going to be big for me. I'm going to try out my new look, my hat. Yeah. And then the first time they see somebody, the people are screaming, and the and spider like, oh, monkey's like, they hate sorry, my hat. Jeez, God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I think, you, I think you solved it, Matt. Uh, <laughs> there's something we have we had in our notes that helps support this idea. If you look at the photo of a spider monkey now, uh, Ben has provided one, by the way. So I'm looking no, at that it's, now. Uh, I didn't take the photo personally, but it's important to know what they look like. Yeah. I'm just going to, if you're playing along at home, folks, uh, pull up a picture of a spider monkey and let's just read that second description one more time. Three to four foot tall with heavy shoulders long arms, brown hair, a flat yellowish face, and long hair down the back and the neck. 
Wow. I believe this is a juvenile spider monkey, but you see where I'm going with this, man? Yeah, I can fully see it. The image we're looking at is a juvenile spider monkey kind of in a grassy area where uh, from about the the monkey's tummy and up, you can see, but kind of, it looks like, you know, kind of hidden down in the grass. But the facial expression of a primate like this, ah, man, you could totally see how, if you saw that creature in the shadows, in the dark, didn't expect it to be there, it could freak you out. And and you could see why you that sighting would be considered a duende. If you, if you didn't hear the specific noises, you didn't capture them on video or something or on audio. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's a Duende sighting for sure. Just waiting to happen. Right, right. And then, of course, if you realize that the majority of wild animals are going to be freaked out when they run into you as a person, then that explains the brevity of the encounter. Well, and also why they, they might hide. Like yeah. if they are somewhat in plain sight or nearby... They may, be, they may be hiding and hoping that you go away. And if you encroach further on their area, they might stand up and or, you know, get up and scurry away really quickly. Again, very similar to the sightings we've uh, we've seen or, or heard about. Yeah. And then last but not least, there is the distant but not entirely dismissible possibility that there could be a, a human being involved, uh, someone who perhaps has a medical condition resulting in a smaller than average height. That's possible, but there's no confirmation of this. And for our final notes here, we have to say that local belief in duendes varies widely. Uh, for many, it's, like we said, a Mothman kind of vibe. It's sort of an in-joke about town. It's a piece of regional folklore people find amusing and at times profitable, but it's not something people take seriously. It's kid stuff, you know. Uh, but in other regions, sightings of creatures like Duende have apparently been taken seriously enough to warrant some reports by police. Uh, mm -hmm. It was tough to confirm some of that, but it does show that there there is a gamut here. And that's where the mystery stands. So thanks again, Pedro, for the suggestion. We would love to hear cryptid stories from your neck of the global woods. We've got some great ones. And you know, Matt, I was thinking, I was looking back through some of our correspondence from our fellow listeners, and I was thinking maybe we can do listener mail with a theme. If people oh. are interested in just hearing ghost stories one week, or if people are interested in just hearing cryptid stories, you know? Yeah. So let's put a let's put a call out for one right now. Do you have a cryptid story? Send it our way. If you've already sent it to us before in the past, that's fine. Send it again. Like if you got a very specific encounter story, or you know, call us, leave a voicemail, send us a message through our email, or find us on Twitter, whatever you want to do. Get it to us soon after hearing this, and we'll put some stuff together. That's a great idea, Ben. Hey, let's hope let's hope uh, everybody digs it. Uh, I can't wait to see. I can't wait to read uh, your stories. Can't wait to hear from you. Uh, and we think your fellow listeners will enjoy it as well. Can can I put a? I want to make two quick shout outs just yeah. before we end here. I, I went down a bunch of YouTube rabbit holes while I was going through everything. I forget how much I love that site slash service slash whatever Alphabet and Google have done there. Thank you, uh, overlords. But YouTube. Creators, shout out to you, all of you out there, if you're listening to this and you make YouTube videos. 
But if you want to find just, I call it the most delightful channel I've found in a long time, like stumbled upon every once in a while that happens. Uh, it's a, it's a gentleman named Erwin Saunders, uh, E R W I N S A U N D E R S. He is out in the UK somewhere in various places searching for pixies and, and other fae creatures. He's just my favorite character that I've found on YouTube in a long time. Highly recommend. And if you are ever skeptical of videos online, we've shouted this person out before a long time ago, but one of my, uh, seriously, one of my all time favorite YouTube channels, Captain Disillusion, check it out, find it. Incredible content goes through painstakingly to show you what a hoax video looks like in one particular instance, why a video is fake or why a video is, well, it's usually fake. And it is because he's Captain Disillusion. Uh, some of the best effects on YouTube. Anyway, shouting those out, go down those rabbit holes and please, please, please uh, write to us and find us. I didn't mean to take up so much time there. But. That's for, no, that's perfect. And I, I love shout outs, Matt. I think we both do. Uh, I want to give a shout out that has nothing to do with this episode. Uh, I want to give a shout out to one of my favorite sketch comedy groups I found on YouTube. And uh, I hope you do check them out. Uh, tell them Ben and Matt sent you. They are called Chris and Jack. They are hilarious. Top notch. Uh, they made up their own holiday based on Jurassic Park. What? Uh, yeah, they've got some brilliant sketches, uh, some of which are related to the world of conspiracies. Uh, I'll send you one after. I'll send you one after after we wrap. Is it July sixth, Park? Yes, that's the holiday. That's the holiday. <laughs> they've been doing it for a while now. Um, but Chris, Jack, if you're listening, great work, and let us know if there's something uh, that you think deserves a shout out on the show. Like Matt said, we'd love to hear from you. The final point here is that the odds of cryptid sightings overall are going to increase in your lifetime as humans continue to encroach further into the dwindling wilderness. Humanity has, is, and will continue discovering new species both on land and in the ocean, but these discoveries are sadly often a side effect of the larger problem. The habitats of these creatures are being destroyed, and the days of seeing animals in the wild may themselves eventually become the stuff of legend. Pretty crazy when you think about it, and by far more terrifying than the idea of little people chewing on your toes, though that is, again, very creepy. Yeah. Let us know what you think, folks. We'd love to hear from you. We try to be easy to find online. Yes, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Conspiracy Stuff. It's that easy. On Instagram, we are Conspiracy Stuff Show. And before we throw to our phone number, I'm just going to roll this out so long, Ben. Before we throw to our phone number... I'm going to read you the flavor text of Mon's Goblin Raiders. It's a 1-1 goblin creature. Costs one mountain, one red mana to cast. And here's the flavor text. The intricate dynamics of goblin affairs are often confused with anarchy. The chaos, however, is the chaos of a thundercloud. And direction will sporadically and violently appear. And it mentions the leader, uh, Pashalik Mons, and his raiders are the thunderhead that leads in the storm. Anyway, that's well a fun said. one. Well, that's said. a fun one. <laughs> if you want to give us your critique of, you know, the alpha set Mons Goblin Raiders, you can reach us at our phone number 1-833-STD-WYTK. 
And when you reach that phone number, you'll hear a brief message from us, and then you'll have three minutes. Those three minutes are your own. Do with them as you will. Uh, it would immensely help us out if you give yourself a cool nickname and let us know whether we have permission to use your name and or voice on air. Uh, tell us what is on your mind. And most importantly, if you have a story, especially a cryptid encounter, uh, that takes more than three minutes, do not censor yourself. Don't edit uh, or elide your statements. Feel free to tell us the entire thing in full. We read every single email we get. You can send them to our good old-fashioned email address where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. And don't edit your video. Just send the whole thing. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.